Hi, this is Nikki from Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay. You're listening to another podcast episode. If you like the podcast and the episode, please write a review, share with a friend, or leave a comment. You can also visit my website at www.nikkiasherbowling.com or you can visit my YouTube channel. Thank you and enjoy a new episode from Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay. Hello everybody, this is Nikki from Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay. And today I have a special guest, Spencer Bishens, and he has a master's degree from the London School of Economics, a law degree from Florida State University. And after law school, he worked in the private sector for two years prior to joining the Social Security Administration in 2010. He worked at the Appeals Council for almost four years, reviewing thousands of disability decisions for compliance with SSA's complex rules and procedures. He then worked at the hearing level for seven years, where he drafted almost 2,000 decisions uh, for the SSA administrative law judges. So after working for SSA for more than 10 years, he wanted to help demystify the complicated disability system and he's written several books about it. His first one is Social Security Disability Revealed, Why It's So Hard to Access Benefits and What You Can Do About It. So this is just an interesting subject for me and because I personally um, had to help my son go through this, trying to get benefits and it was an, it was a nightmare. And so, um, so I hope that he can help us kind of, you know, give us a pathway on what's the best way to go about, you know, build, you know, the process when you start to decide you need this SSA benefits. But before we do, um, I just want to remind everybody to, if you're listening on the podcast, please go to Spotify or iTunes and comment and uh, review the podcast that just lets me know how well I'm doing. So without further ado, here is Spencer. Hi. Hi, Spencer. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. I appreciate you. your vote of confidence in that intro, by the way, um, <laughs> because as, as of today, I've only written one book, Social Security Disability oh. Revealed, <laughs> but now I have an incentive to write several more. <laughs> I'm sure that the vast amount of information that is at the SSA, you could probably put out several more books. <laughs> well, I sold a lot of books, so I guess <laughs> like it does not count as though I've written a lot of books. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, you know, I was like, uh, yeah, Spencer is intelligent. I know that's fine. I just thought, wow, now I have to write some more books. But yeah, we'll talk about this one first, because this is the one that, of course, I wrote <laughs> to help people figure out the process. Um, yeah, it's really complicated. Social Security <laughs> makes it intentionally complicated. And <laughs> there's no one that tells you when you need disability benefits, either for yourself, mm -hmm. if you're an adult or if you're helping mm -hmm. someone else or if you're trying to apply on behalf of a child. No one right. really tells you how to do it. Social Security says, <laughs> no. here, fill out this application and send us your medical record. But right. they don't tell you how you can get medical records, what medical records you need, what specific tests you need, what to put in a yes. medical opinion. And they found that a lot of doctors don't even know what's supposed to go in a medical opinion. So mm -mm. after working for Social Security, as you said, for almost 11 years and writing and reviewing thousands of decisions, I had mm -hmm. this really large sample size, right? And mm -hmm. I saw lots of trends. I saw things that were working, things that were not working. Mm -hmm. uh, 
if people were getting denied for a specific reason over and over, I, I took mental note of that. And then when mm -hmm. I left Social Security, I said to myself, okay, there are certain things here that obviously the average or not even the average, most applicants, they're just not mm -hmm. understanding. And yeah. I don't blame them. There's no one who's like just put out a comprehensive, clear guide that says, here's the process. Here's how Social Security makes its mm -hmm. decisions. Here's the process for making decisions. Here's a hearing. Here's an appeal, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And so I figured if no one else had done that in an efficient, clearly written, simple English kind of way, then right. I, I would be the one to do it. Well, I'm glad you did. Because I know when I was doing it for my son, and there was no way he could have done it on his own. And so we got our, he got his first denial and they were like, they put down their reasons. And then I was like, oh, well, they want this type of information, but they didn't ask for that information in the, you know, on the form in the beginning. You know, it's like, why don't they tell you everything they need first time around? In you or, the, you, why don't they tell you everything they need to approve your claim? Yeah. Because they yeah. don't want to, because they don't want to approve <laughs> your claim. That's the reason. They Social yeah. Security has the financial incentive to deny as many claims as possible, and the reason oh, is really? just because of how the system is set up. If you think about Social Security as a whole, the original idea with Social Security is that adults would work and pay into the system for like 40 years. And at age 65, you claim retirement. Yeah. And four years later, right. you're dead on average, average lifespan. Right. Still kind of that right. way. The retirement age for someone my age is 67 and the average lifespan is like 72. So I'm expected mm -hmm. to pay in for several decades and then only collect benefits for five or six years. But when you have people claiming disability benefits in their 30s or 40s, you're financially changing that system, right? Because now people are paying in for a lot less time. Or in okay. the case of children, you know, yeah. not yeah. paying in at all potentially. And, and right. then they might be collecting benefits for a long period of time. So the economics of the disability program don't work if Social Security approves too many people. So as I talk about in the book, and the reason I wrote the book is what Social Security does is they have this disability program in theory, but they put up yeah. a lot of barriers in the way to keep <laughs> you from applying and to keep you from getting through that process to get benefits. And this is one of them. They say, go ahead and fill out an application, but they don't tell you what you need to do. Send us yeah. your medical records, but they don't tell you what needs to be in those medical <laughs> records. And right. it's because they don't want to approve you. If they approve too many people, the economics of the system don't work. So they need to make sure that they have a way of denying lots and lots of people. And in fact, at the initial level, over 70% of people are denied. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that for sure. I mean, so so they do they have like a number, a specific number in mind? Like, okay, we want to be able to help the majority of the people we need to deny this number of people. Yeah, they do have a number, but they don't tell anyone what it is. And it's constantly changing. And the way I know this is I work for the agency. So we would have management calls all the time with either yeah. headquarters or our regional office where they're telling us, tick up the approvals or push down the approvals. Think of it like oh. a, knob, a knob that you can turn right or left. It's not yeah. too much a switch. It's more like a knob yeah. and like, like adjusting the volume. Yeah. Or like sometimes yeah. in older hotel rooms, they'll have a knob instead of a digital thing for the, the yeah, temperature. For the, and yeah. the, so what, what it is, is if there's too much money is coming out of the system or they're getting mm -hmm. heat from Congress about like the, the trust funds getting too low. We need to approve fewer mm -hmm. cases. They'll turn up the denial rate. In other words, mm. they'll deny more or approve fewer cases. But maybe they're getting heat from Congress because too many people are getting denied and calling their members of Congress to complain. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. there's, maybe there's the amount of money in the trust fund is actually going up because they're collecting money and taxes and not paying enough out. 
Well, okay. that can happen as well. And then they'll do the opposite, right? They'll say, okay, now we're going to start paying some more. I don't know which, which way my hand is going on your screen, but they'll say, okay, we, we can pay some more cases. Yeah. We have the ability and the freedom to do that. And we have the money to do that. So now we can pay some more cases. We can approve some more, mm-hmm. maybe not initially, but our judges can pay some more cases or we can grant some more on appeal. Right. So it really is this constant mm-hmm. fine tuning by Social Security. And so the judge who's looking at a case, that claimant thinks, well, I'm a unique individual with my own medical records, and this judge is going to go and give me a fair an unbiased, personalized review of my medical information. And that's sort of true, but that judge is mm-hmm. also receiving emails or on management calls mm-hmm. every month about our pay rate, your pay rate's too high, your pay rate's too low, pay more, pay fewer. So this judge is thinking about you as an individual, but they're also mm-hmm. constantly thinking about what they're being told by management as far as should they yeah. be paying more, should they be paying less? So if they're on the fence, if there's a gray area, that might tip them one way or another. So oh, um, Social Security, it's not a for-profit company, right? We know that. It's part of the government. Yeah. yeah. But the disability program specifically operates like a for-profit private insurance company. And the reason is that money's not going to shareholders, but it's going to the retirement program. So mm-hmm. they have to take money in and watch what they're paying out. Not for profit, but because they have to make sure they know it's available for the retirement program. Because mm-hmm. the retirement program, they don't get to make decisions about approval, right? You apply for retirement, mm-hmm. you just get it. Yeah. The only place Social Security has this ability to approve or deny is within the disability program. And gotcha. that's why they, they, they use that ability to deny and to decide how, what they want their approval rate to be. Because that's mm-hmm. the only place they can make those decisions that impact the overall financial stability of the program. Okay, so that does make a lot of sense. And, you know, I grew up people complaining like, well, by the time you're eligible, there's not going to be any money yeah. in, in Social Security. Right. I still hear that. I mean. Yeah. You want my opinion on that? that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally wrong. It's not possible. That that that. Well, I know. I mean, I what if I've been paid all this time? I mean, yeah. at least they'll have so that believe, much in there. I believe that either 2021 or 2022, it was either last year or this year, is the first year, I think, ever that the Social Security Trust Fund was sending more money out in benefits than it was taking in in taxes. But if you think about that, that means for decades, decades, it's been taking in more than it's been paying out and it's yeah. been building up this trust fund mm-hmm. and there's a lot i don't even know how many billion <laughs> it's it, it's i know it's in the nine figures yeah yeah i don't think it's quite a trillion i don't think it's quite 10 figures but yeah. it's a lot of money the social security trust fund has a lot of money so even if they wow. start even if they start paying out more than they're taking in in taxes First mm-hmm. of all, it, it's just the start of that. But also, mm-hmm. the Social Security program, if that is the case, this, when we see that a report like, oh, they'll run out of money in 13 years, that's under the assumption that absolutely nothing changes. But here, yeah. here is a list of things that will change. Mm-hmm. First, baby boomers are going to be dying. That's I, yeah. It sounds like a heartless comment, but that's just how the economic system <laughs> work, right? The baby yeah. boomers to be dying, and it all depends on if they live to their mid-80s or if they mm-hmm. start dying like next year. But as they mm-hmm. start dying and we get this enormous chunk, the largest chunk of recipients we've ever had in the system, once mm-hmm. those recipients leave the system, that takes some pressure off the money flowing out, right? Other things oh. that can change and do change every year, Congress can raise the retirement age. And I know mm-hmm. that can get political and it's been in the news lately, but it's happened mm-hmm. five, then it was 66. For my age, it's 67. They can yeah. 67 and a half if they want. Every year, they also raise the cap on income where you pay Social Security taxes. Mm-hmm. Not long ago, it was in the 120s, as 120,000. Mm-hmm. Now it's, I think, 147,000. 
if mm-hmm. they want to bring in more taxes, they just raise that cap. And then everyone mm-hmm. pays social security tax on a little bit more money. They could also increase the amount of the tax. Mm-hmm. They, so th- there's all kinds of things they can do yeah. with margins to tinker right. with the system. But really, I think the biggest thing that will impact the the trust fund in the next decade or so is how long the baby boomers are living mm-hmm. and how many are exiting the system every year. Mm-hmm. The more people from this large chunk of retirees that end up dying yeah. each year, maybe the more money is available to pay to disability claimants. So, gotcha. you know that? So that I mean, no, that's the, the social security business, right? It's talking about people yeah. becoming disabled and dying. That's just, yeah. that's how the program works. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I know that number has changed, but on average, we have been living longer, you know. And I think that's actually coming down though. Yeah. They just saw that, like they just did um, a new survey came out that the year has dropped you know, by several years. But still, I mean, I know, I mean, I had a grandpa who worked until he was 82. Yeah, but, a, but also a lot of people in that generation worked until they were 55 and then had a pension. And today, Americans uh, are actually yeah. working longer. Even a lot of Americans will get to full retirement age today at age 66 or 67. Yeah. And, not, and they can claim retirement benefits without actually being retired. They can keep working. And if you keep working, you keep paying into the system. So, Mm -hmm. again, it's not just about collecting benefits. It's also about the fact that as people in their 60s or even 70s continue to work or go back to work, Mm -hmm. or even if it's just something to keep busy or a part-time job or a hobby Mm -hmm. job or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, I have people in my family who are in their 70s who are working Mm -hmm. just because they want to have something to do and they're paying the social security tax even though they're also collecting social security (laughs) so if we encourage people to continue working Mm -hmm. or we find ways for them to continue working or we have more jobs that people can do at home i mean Mm -hmm. that was a big thing during the pandemic right we figured out a lot of people actually work from home yeah or if we make it easier for people to work who maybe can't get to an office or who just don't want to Maybe mm-hmm. more people re-enter the workforce or stay in the workforce longer, and that will help the money flow into the system. Gotcha. So you shouldn't worry about them running out of money because they definitely... If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started again it's a-n-c-h-o-r dot f-m to get started that's like talking about the federal saying oh the federal government only has this much money they're going to run out <laughs> Well, right. But every year people pay taxes to the government. So, you know, in addition to the printing press, the government has taxes coming in constantly. And it's right. the same thing. The Social Security system is not going to run out of revenue. Well, uh, oh, something else I forgot. Our Im- yeah. immigration has been a huge political issue the last decade. Right. But yes. immigration <laughs> is that is that a, a is a quite a historic low right now. If the United States changes its immigration policy and brings in millions of new young workers that are paying into the system and then those people become residents and permanent residents and maybe mm-hmm. citizens you could have a lot of mm-hmm. you know we 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 as the united states we not only have a birth rate but we also can basically invent new young taxpayers whenever we want <laughs> by just creating immigration visas and and inviting people to apply and then people apply and we can get tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of new young workers paying into the system. Right. We just have to decide 
politically that we want to do that. But that right. is an easy way to get young taxpayers in who are paying into the system but won't be collecting Social Security. Right, right. Well, that does, I mean, that does bring to light a lot of things. And in my head, I've got all these political bomb questions, but I'm not going to go there. Yeah, <laughs> let's pivot away from the politics on it. Because yeah. anything could happen. And the other thing that we haven't talked about yet is child cases actually don't involve the Social Security Trust Fund at all uh-huh. because child cases, kids don't work, so they don't pay the Social Security tax. So actually, yeah. child cases are not Social Security disability insurance or SSDI cases. Mm-hmm. Child cases are only SSI, supplemental security income cases. And, right. the, and I talk about this in part one of the book, what the difference is between these two programs. Yeah. The SSI program is only funded through regular income taxes. So the stability for when we're talking about child cases or even adult SSI cases, the stability of the trust fund, that is mm-hmm. totally around. But we're just funded by regular income taxes. And as long as the American economy has workers that are earning money and paying income taxes, mm-hmm. there will be money to fund that program. At that point, it's just about the political will as far mm-hmm. as how much money Congress wants to put in to fund that program. Right. Because obviously Social Security can only approve SSI cases if Congress has funded the SSI program. So that, I mean, that is interesting. So if there's a parent and they're having a child that is, you know, having issues and they feel like they need to apply for SSI. So what would be their, you know, first thing they would need to do? I mean, I know you go out and fill out a form, but... Oh, even before that, (laughs) some shameless promotion here. The first thing you should do (laughs) is understand the process. And and here's the reason. So obviously, I am promoting my book, right? But I wrote the book for a reason. And the reason is, if you start by applying, well, Social Security is going to say, okay, send us your medical records. So mm-hmm. you need to start even way before that. You need to start thinking about a future application mm-hmm. and think about what medical records in the future am I going to need? What tests? What reports? How do they need to be written and formatted? What mm-hmm. do I need the doctors to say? So the Social mm-hmm. Security Disability Application really starts way before you fill out that application because if you fill out that application without understanding the program, the difference between the two programs, SSDI and mm-hmm. SSI, how Social Security makes decisions, mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to find yourself in a world of trouble. And yeah. I'll, I'll give you one example that I talk about in the book. When you fill out the application, Social Security is going to make you go see a doctor. Well, they're going to tell you, we would, we're asking you to go see this doctor. And for the uninformed person, you might think, wow, that's great. I've had some trouble getting the medical records or having my child be able to see a doctor. There's a long wait time, whatever it is. This is great. Social Security is sending me to see a doctor and they're going to pay for it. It's Mm. not great. It's not great at all. Social Security (laughs) is the one hiring that doctor and they're hiring that doctor to provide them an opinion that you or your kid is not disabled and not entitled to benefits. And I explain right. in the book who that doctor is, who the decision makers are, why this uh-huh. whole process is really stacked against you. And the important thing is you have to know that in order to know what to do about it, right? That's why the subtitle of my book is Why It's Our Access Benefits and What You Can Do About It. Because I want yeah. to understand what all these barriers are, but then to yeah. know how to navigate the system. So yes, it was some shameless promotion. But I do. No, I'm glad you wrote that book. (laughs) Really, the first thing you need to do is educate yourself on the system. And my book's also available through your local library. If you don't want to or can't buy it, go Mm -hmm. tell your local library to get it in ebook or paperback. That information is on our website so that you can give that to your library so they can get it. Mm -hmm. However you can get it, get the book and read the book and understand how the process works. 
Because once you go to fill out that application, you're conversing with someone at the social security office and and they're going to make it seem like they're there to help you, but it is very much an adversarial process because Mm -hmm. as we've already talked about, their incentive is to deny claims. Right. Right. And you obviously want your claim approved. Here's another reason why they deny claims for SSI cases. And there's an asset and income test for SSI. So you have to not have a lot of money or not earn a lot of money to qualify for SSI. Yeah. Similar requirements for Medicaid, right? Medicaid is a state and federal partnership. So the state, whatever state, Mm -hmm. all 50 states, the state partially funds the Medicaid program. When you apply for Social Security, your application will first be reviewed and decided by a state official. So there's a tremendous conflict of interest. Because the state official who's being told by the legislators in the state and their bosses, save Mm -hmm. money. States can't run a budget deficit. (laughs) Save us money. Is then deciding whether or not you should get disability. But if you get disability, you'll be on the Medicaid program and cost the state more money. Mm -hmm. They're not on your side. And you have to know that and you have to understand that so that you know how to navigate that system. So that you understand that you're very likely going to be denied at that initial level, regardless of what you do. And then Mm -hmm. that way, you know what to do after that point, how to appeal. You only get 60 days for an appeal window. It's not a lot of time. As Mm -hmm. I said, everything along the way in this process is really meant to either get you to self-select your way out of the process or to make you just feel so discouraged that you give up Mm -hmm. and leave. Or that something yeah. happens by accident, like you just miss your 60-day appeal window and then you're done. Yeah, so yeah. It really is important to know what's going on in this process so that something like that doesn't happen, so that you understand right. the process, so that you know how to, like you said, how to submit a, a high-quality medical record that's actually mm-hmm. going to be looked at and given proper consideration by Social Security. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a struggle. So they asked for medical records. So I filled out the information for that. But it was his, from his regular doctor, it wasn't from the psychiatrist that he Mm -hmm. went to, you know, and so that- Social Security also have you go see a doctor? Yes, yes. I'm not surprised. Yeah, and the- doctor was like, I don't know what else to tell them. <laughs> you know, I I filled out their form. I faxed it to them. I said everything they asked for. And they were still asking for, you know, more information. And then at that point, they denied us. And, you know, but we just applied again. But it was insane. That Yeah. Was this a child under the age of 18? No, he was... He was 19. Okay. No, he was older than that. So, yeah. yeah. He was so older a, than that. So. If there is, a, for children under the age of 18, you have to know how Social Security handles child cases because mm-hmm. there are specific rules and a different definition of disability. For anyone over the age of 18, Social Security uses the adult definition of disability, which asks whether or not the person can work. And that's the same regardless of whether they ever have worked. They still want to know for a 19-year-old, can this person, when considering their impairments, do any full-time work in the national economy? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, obviously, if you're applying for disability, it's because you think the answer is no, right? Mm -hmm. Right. But But you have to know how to prove to Social Security that someone cannot do any full-time work in the national economy. And you Mm -hmm. have to understand that definition of disability and how you use the person's functioning to mm-hmm. provide that that proof and that evidence to meet that definition. And there's mm. a very specific way to do it. And for anyone under the age of 50, it's really difficult. And the younger yeah. you are, the harder it is because they assume that there are more, more physically demanding, more strenuous jobs that you can do. Yeah. You're young, you're 19, you can lift a lot, you can stand a lot, you can walk a lot. Right. Look at all these jobs you can do, and you have yeah. to know how to work within the Social Security regulations and guidelines 
to show that uh-huh. that's not the case. And it's not as simple as you might think. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, he had worked for three or four years since he had been out of high school. And so they dissected every job that he had done, how long he'd done it, you know, why did he switch, you know, and so on and so forth. You know, and physically he is able to work, but mentally he wasn't. So. Right. And you have to know how to present a mental health impairment based case because there are are very, there's very specific law and regulations within the social security (laughs) regulations that define what mental activities are required throughout Mm -hmm. the national economy, throughout the workforce. Mm -hmm. And if you just say, oh, he has depression, anxiety, uh, (laughs) neurodevelopmental disorder, and he can't work. Or in first person, I can't work. Why? I just can't. Not sufficient, right? Right. As you now know, Social Security is going to say, that's not enough. You haven't shown us what you need to show us, despite the fact that we never told you what you need to show us. You still didn't do it, so your your claim is denied. And as yeah. you know, as you know, what that denial says at the end it doesn't really tell you why the person was denied. It just says, here are three examples of jobs you could do. Elevator operator, nut sorter, <laughs> photocopy machine operator, <laughs> cashier, you're not disabled, right? Yeah. And they don't, but you look at that and you think, he can't do that. But they're done the and they're letters. Yeah, the denial letters were crazy and they were very ambiguous, you know, and you're like, okay, now why did they deny him? You know, and so you just had to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, or you don't. I mean, you just appeal and then you have to not miss your appeal window. You have to know you're almost 100% chance you're going to get denied the second time. And then when you appeal and have a hearing with a judge, I have a whole section in the book on the hearing level, which is where I work, because you have to know who the judge is, what's going to happen at the hearing level, what kind of evidence they need, what's Mm. going to happen at the hearing itself, why there's going to be people at that hearing that are going to talk about you or your son Mm -hmm. who have never met you, how that evidence is going to be used, how long that's going to take. That takes like 12 to 18 months. And if you're not prepared to go with no income for that amount of time, again, that's another reason many people just give up and drop out. They yeah. just, they can't do it. They, they, they say, I had no idea this was going to take that long. Well, if you'd read the book, you'd have known <laughs> it was going to happen and you'd have known it was going to take that long. And It was longer too because it happened during COVID. <laughs> yeah, and you can prepare from the outset And you can understand what's going to happen because during that time, you can keep gathering medical records, right? You can keep going to doctors, keep getting records, go back to the doctor and say, you told me you didn't know what we needed. I I, actually, I know exactly what we need now. (laughs) I wrote up, you know, some things here. If you feel like this is a fair statement, would you please give us another opinion with this information in it? Right, right. And yeah, you have to, it's like, you know, if, you, if your car breaks down, you have to know what's going on with the engine before yeah. you can get it fixed. If you're too yeah. hurt, you got to get an x-ray and you got to understand what's going on before you have that <laughs> cavity filled, right? Right, if you're, right. If, you're, if your pet is sick, you don't give the medication until you go to the vet and you try to figure out what's going on. You have to learn about this process before mm-hmm. you know what to do. But once you learn about it, once you understand it, you feel a little bit better. You feel mm-hmm. like you have some knowledge. You feel empowered. And mm-hmm. you know that you can get through it because you know what the next steps are. And mm-hmm. you know that you're not going to let Social Security intimidate you anymore right. like you were previously doing. Well, I think that's a good approach to the situation because, you know, when sometimes like when I face a problem, At first, I want to shy away from it and just ignore it and forget about it and act like it's not there. But when I make a decision and 
I'm going to tackle this thing. I'm going to learn how to get around it. You know, then I start doing research and finding out everything I can, you know, about that, you know, that subject or whatever it is I've been trying to avoid. And it, I feel like that with your book, a lot more parents and people who have been trying to apply will have the knowledge to have get all their decks in a row. Yeah. And then now on top of everything you just said, pile on physical impairments, mental health impairments, inability yeah. to work, inability to pay your rent, inability to access yeah. good quality health care because you lost yeah. your job, inability yeah. to get good medical records, stress. Maybe you have mental impairments where you don't, you can't deal with other people or you can't mm -hmm. focus or concentrate. Mm -hmm. All of these reasons and Social Security knows that this is a lot of claimants, right? The people mm -hmm. are experiencing yeah. all of these things, that a lot of people have mental health impairments. They can't focus mm -hmm. and concentrate. So what do they do? They give you form after form after form after form. They know that people get really anxious when they're talking to other people. So what do they do? They contact you and they contact you and they tell you to go see this doctor and go see this doctor and go meet with this claims representative, right? It's, it's That explains not so much. But yeah. And the thing is, it's not funny, but they're not doing it to be yeah. funny. They're doing it yeah. because they know that these are the kinds of things that will get people to feel overwhelmed and stressed out and give up and walk right. away. And that reduces the amount of cases they have going to the hearing level, which they really need because over a million people apply for disability every year. And there's only mm -hmm. about a thousand judges across the country. And there's a couple thousand attorneys who work for those judges. That was my job. I was a staff attorney and I wrote decisions mm -hmm. for judges. Mm -hmm. Well, put those numbers together. You got a thousand judges and about a million cases. So yeah. that would mean each judge would have to handle a thousand cases and yeah. they can't do that. So they have to really significantly reduce the number of people mm -hmm. getting to the hearing level and getting in front of a judge. Right, right. And so the way they do that is they approve some people up front, but then for mm -hmm. the people they're denying, they need a lot of those people to just not get to the hearing level. They need gotcha. people, as, as I said, to give up, to walk away, to not appeal, whatever. But a lot of people do get through that process. They do get to a hearing. And mm -hmm. so, but, but when you get that far, you know, you don't want to get that far and then lose your case for some silly reason yeah. that you, you could have changed that problem if you'd read the book. And actually, in yeah. the book near the end, I give an example. It's really detailed and specific, but I give an example mm -hmm. of someone who doesn't know what they're doing and so they lose, but if they knew what they were doing, they would have won their case. Mm, and, yeah. and, it, and, it's, and it's something that I've seen so many times there are mm -hmm. just there are certain things that are kind of silly. And the judges yeah. know when you're making a huge mistake or an error. Yeah. They can see it. They can hear it. They know if you've said something detrimental in your testimony. Yeah. But they're not going to tell you. They're yep. just going to deny your claim and move on. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell it with our, you know, our experience that we had that there were times where Either we didn't, you know, get what we needed or, you know, maybe he said something and I'm just like, I know they're going to see that as a black mark or red mark or whatever you want to call it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and your situation is a great example. If the claimant isn't able to advocate for themselves because they're too young or they have an impairment that doesn't allow them. Get the book and read it for them because yeah. the claimants themselves are overwhelmed. They have really substantial health conditions. Yeah. They can't work. It's really overwhelming. It's confusing. So yeah. I do think every claimant, no matter how old they are or what their conditions are, it's really good to have a friend or relative to help mm -hmm. you. Just right. another brain looking at this. Just someone to mm -hmm. say, who also read the book, who can say, you know, have you thought about this? Or when you go to your doctor next week, make sure you mention this. Something, right? Mm, okay. In, yeah, in yeah. Having an attorney or non-attorney representative, that's also really mm -hmm. important. 
And I talk in the book about who the representatives are and how to find one and how they get paid and all that. Definitely okay. have an attorney or non-attorney representing you. They only get paid if you win. That's true. But in addition to that person, it's really good to also have someone close to you, a friend or family member who is familiar with the process, is familiar with your medical records. You're not going to mm-hmm. go to the hearing with you, right? But they can do everything right up until that point with you. Yeah. Take yeah. your doctors. They can look at your medical records. They can think about your case with you. They can even mm-hmm. meet, go and meet with your attorney representative. They can be there and sit down and say, you know, I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to listen in case, you know, claiming Charlie forgets something. I'm going to be here and go ahead and tell lawyer Lenny so that he knows. Yeah. So that yeah. He yeah. Clear up something, right. Yeah. That's such good advice. So where can we find your book again? I know you mentioned it in the beginning, but tell us again. Yeah, the title of my one and only book so far, it's Social Security Disability (laughs) Revealed, Why It's So Hard to Access Benefits and What You Can Do About It. It's available on Amazon in ebook and paperback, but it's also available in other places. And you can find all of that information at bishonspublishing.com. That's B-I-S-H-I-N-S, like my last name, bishonspublishing.com. And it's on Apple, Barnes & Noble. Like I said, there's information on there to get the book from your local library in paperback or ebook. We also have a description of the book, table of contents, so you can see how it's laid out. And we've also got links to all our social media if you want to follow us on Facebook. And it doesn't look like it's a, a long read. So, you know, that's great, too. <laughs> the, the thing is, it's the kind of book that I wrote it in a way where you could just read it from start to finish mm-hmm. or you could keep it on your bookshelf as reference. So that, for mm-hmm. example, you're not going to your hearing now. Let's say you're just now applying. You don't need to read the section on your hearing. But mm-hmm. if you lose and you lose again and you have a hearing, you can pull yeah. the book go, ah, all right, section three, that's the hearing. Now I'm going to go ahead and read that. So you can read it in yeah. advance if you want to know what's coming up. Right. But, but when you need it later, you can reread it. If you end up mm-hmm. losing at the hearing level, you can go back to that section on appeals and say, mm-hmm. all right, now I need to know this. I'm going to go back and reread that section on appeals. Or if you're just talking with someone or you're on the social security website and someone gives you a term you don't know, I wrote a plain English glossary in the back where it's not dictionary definitions. It just says, like, here's a term and here's what that means. I I am a lawyer, but I wrote this book in plain (laughs) human English because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help real, plain human English Americans understand (laughs) what the system is in just normal, non-lawyer terms. So that's what I do throughout the book. I say, here's the legal term. Here's what that means. Here's an example. Here's what that is. Here's what that isn't. Here's what you need to Uh know. I want people to understand this in terms they can understand. And that's how I wrote the book. And that's why I wrote the book. So whether it's just (laughs) now applying, whether you're appealing, whether it's you, whether it's a family member, whatever stage you or your friend or family member is in the process, There's something in this book for everyone, even if you've already been approved, because Social Security, once you're approved, can and does take away benefits. It happens all the time. So even if you've been approved, you want to understand how this system works. Okay, that just scared me. (laughs) I like to think of it not as fear, but as Mm -hmm. motivation for wanting to understand the system and why it is the way it is. (laughs) And how to avoid a lot of these pitfalls and barriers. And maybe some things aren't avoidable, but when you encounter them, you'll know how to deal with them. Exactly. Well, no, I'm glad. I will definitely be looking uh, for the book at our local library. So how long has your book been out? It came out in July. And I just want to let you and your listeners know, it won't automatically be at your library. I've learned this, that libraries have to request the book. So you have to go to your library or their website and fill out a form to request it. 
And on my website, fishingspublishing.com, click where it says request the book from your library. I have the ISBNs there, all the information Uh you need to give to your library. But if you like search it in your library's website, it says it's not there. It's because you're the first one to request it. So (laughs) I just want to make sure people understand it's not that they can't get it. It's just that no one's requested it yet. Every individual library system has to go get the book in ebook or paperback format. But don't be shy. Your librarians are very nice and they get paid (laughs) to help you and to get the book you want. Right, exactly. (laughs) Well, Spencer, I appreciate you coming on and explaining this tedious process to us. And I don't think anybody would have been able to figure it out unless we had a voice from the inside, you know, explaining it to us. And I don't think I've ever talked or seen a book about how to apply from anybody. So, yeah, if I, I mean, find there, it. There are other books on the market about Social Security, but some yeah. of them are old. So check the publication date because the laws mm-hmm. change all the time and you want something recent. And the okay. other thing is a lot of books will say something like how to win your case. They'll make some kind of promise right there on the cover. Oh, and yeah, anyone who no. makes any promises to you about <laughs> winning, you should be really suspicious. Notice yeah. I make no promises about winning because no, <laughs> no. One, no one can promise you that you're going to win your case, right? What I'm promising right. you is that I'm going to explain to you a lot of the barriers, a lot of the problems that you're mm-hmm. going to have. I'm going to tell you how to deal with those so that you mm-hmm. can give yourself the best possible chance of success. Doesn't mean right, you're going to win right. your case. Lots of people are denied and have to appeal. I'm not making right. any promises on that, but I'll tell you <laughs> how to get a lawyer, how to submit evidence, what kind of evidence yeah. the agency needs and all of that. So yeah, awesome. there are other books on the market, but they don't do what I wanted to see when I left Social Security. Right. The way I thought this information needed to be clearly laid out for people, when I looked, it wasn't there. And that's why I said, well, if it's not there in a way that explains the process, that does it in a simple way that people understand with examples, I'm going to go ahead and write it. And so that's what I did. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And hopefully we can meet up again in the future to talk more about this as needed, because I'm sure that... It's not going to go away, you know, (laughs) so. No, the social security system is what it is. Of course, we're not going to see any major changes because Congress just doesn't want to deal with major reforms to Medicare or social security, right? So, yeah, yeah, I talk in the last chapter of the book about here's, this would be a great way to to fix the system and to make it much better and much cheaper. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. So the first 33 chapters are about how to navigate the current system that we have, because yes, uh-huh. that's the system that we have. We have to understand it. We have to know how to deal with it. We have to understand what Social Security is doing and why. We have to know mm-hmm. what their motivations are and how we can treat them, not as the kind government employees who are promising to help us, but more like the adversarial protectors of the social security trust fund who Mm -hmm. want to deny our claim in any way they possibly can but i do want just as we leave here i do want your listeners to understand the second half of my subtitle is what you can do about it right yeah here are the things you can do and there are strategies that you can use to up your odds up your chances of success and i just want to leave you with this thought I wrote for a lot of judges who were considered low-paying judges, meaning they approved only about 20% of their cases. And if if your lawyer tells you, you just got a judge that pays 20% of their cases, you can think, oh, no, I have a one in five (laughs) chance of being approved. But the thing Mm -hmm. is, it's not really a one in five chance. You know, if you threw a dart at a dartboard or went into it like blind with no strategy, it'd be one in five. Mm -hmm. But if you have a good representative who knows what they're doing, who gives you good counsel, if you have Mm -hmm. really good medical records, if you don't have gaps Mm -hmm. in your medical record, if you know what's happening in your medical opinion, you're not really one out of five. You want to know what you need to do 
to be the most clearly put together and the most well put together medical record that that judge is going to see that day. And so if there are four other people who didn't read the book and who don't understand how the process works, they're just crossing their fingers and hoping, and you didn't take yeah. that approach, you decided to educate yourself, to understand the system, yeah. and to use certain strategies to give yourself the best possible chance of success, Right, you're probably going to be that one out of five that day. You're going to be that, <laughs> yeah. that day where the judge says, this medical record's really clear. The person's doctor told me exactly what I need in order mm -hmm. to approve this claim. I don't mm -hmm. feel like I have a lot of discretion to deny this claim. This is the one out of five I'm going to approve today. So awesome. that thing is it's not random. Who you get is your judge might be random, but whether right. you're approved, it's not random. It's not a coin flip. There are certain things you can do. And that's why I wrote the book, because I want you to understand there are certain things you can do to improve your chances yes. best so that people go out, take advantage of this knowledge, this information, and they implement these strategies so that they're giving themselves or their family members the best possible chance of having their claim approved. Well, that's amazing. And I'm so glad that you were able to explain that to us. And can they reach out to you if they have questions? Yeah, there's a link on our website and our social media is also on the website. Facebook and Instagram, we're at Bishons Publishing and Twitter, we're at Bishons Pub. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Spencer. I have enjoyed talking to you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you enjoyed my show, Motherhood Unfiltered, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And be sure to come back next week for another episode of Motherhood Unfiltered. Until then, this is Nikki, the host of Motherhood Unfiltered. And don't forget, it's going to be okay. <laughs>